0: For the Points League. I'm your host, Commissioner Sean Murphy. With me this evening is two-time baseball finalist Scott Vanderpool. Hot off his return from a cruise, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yep. Where uh, Whereabouts were you on the cruise?
1: Uh, started in Florida, started in Miami, went down to Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, Dominican Republic, and Bahamas.
0: Nice, nice, and that was over like Christmas, Christmas Day, and then you got back prior to New Year's.
1: Um, it was earlier than that, but yeah, basically a Christmas cruise is the first real cruise I've ever done. Nice, um, it was sort of a compromise. We, we actually were we had this big ambitious trip we were supposed to do with um, my extended family to West Africa. That got postponed for some health reasons. One of my my relatives, uh, emailed know, cancer, so we had to postpone that. And this was sort of a somewhat last-minute um, compromise trip. We, we, you know, had a decent price for a Christmas cruise and went with my parents.
0: Nice, nice. That must have been fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, certainly seems warmer than where I spent my Christmas, which was Henderson, Nebraska. We were all in one house. Uh, Amanda's on Amanda's side. Her sisters each have three kids um so and they range from like seven to 19 so it was uh it was fun it was, it's always good to see them but uh yeah definitely a, a crazy time miss fortunately i we, we we were we went the week before like the big arctic blast hit like the entire us and canada um, yeah here. so we were pretty fortunate there but uh yeah did uh did you or the boys get anything cool for christmas
1: uh, boys, I I would say they didn't get anything cool. They just got a bunch of crap. I am no, sure they're is different. Uh, I got uh, some stuff on my list. Nothing too sexy. I got a Nomadics towel, which is, boy, you know, if you're forty years old and asking for a towel for Christmas and you get it, and that is considered excitement. <laughs> or, you know, have subsequent back pain. What?
0: So, yeah, what is that? I don't know what that
1: is. It's just like a hip outdoorsy towel. Okay. You know how, like, they find an excuse to jack the prices up on something. Like, you know, all of a sudden water bottles were, like, $60. Right.
0: And
1: all of a sudden, like, rumple blankets were, like, $120. And now they're, you know, having, like, $50, $60 towels out there. So hipster wannabe... 4 year old millennials can still remain somewhat in connection with, like, hip things. Uh,
0: so that's where the league's money's going this year, after you win the title, is to, to shit like
1: well, this? At least my uh, football winnings, which I don't know if we're going to, you know, now that you're no longer associated <laughs> with the football world. I'm a I friend, come in third I'm a friend place. of the
0: league, I think.
1: I, I came in third place uh, pending the, uh, the Bills game, but I zero outcome could change depending on how that happens so at least i'll have a little bit more you know maybe ramp up and get another towel
0: <laughs> sounds amazing yeah obviously uh, pretty pretty tragic events which with what happened in that bill's Bengals game which, which i was watching it was really looking like it was going to be a great game but um obviously um you know the player hamlin went into uh some sort of uh cardiovascular like, heart attack sort of situation and Um, Thankfully, he's alive. Sounds like he's doing pretty well. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that they're going to play that game. I would guess they're not, um, judging by the press releases that have come out in the past few days.
1: If they're not playing it this week, I don't know when they would. I mean, it's not like baseball where you can double header it or something. Yeah. That's a game that has pretty big implications. Not not the biggest, but – and then fantasy. I mean, luckily – obviously there's much bigger things than fantasy, but nobody wants to be the guy who's like, uh, I have Josh Allen on my team and this, what do I do here? Right. Gonna, I mean, there's more at stake, but.
0: Well, let me uh, tell you something, Scott, I'm really glad I'm not the commissioner to make those decisions right now.
1: <laughs> well, luckily Matt Neislinger, who's not the most decisive uh, commissioner, but an excellent list, listener of the podcast and friend of the podcast. Um, yeah. Is not in a position where he needs to do anything. Everything was settled prior to that, so it's good. I'll, I'll you know, my Venmo is at dot Vanderpool. Um, I need to buy more towels. More towels.
0: I have a feeling that's going to be the uh, the title for this podcast. Um, speaking of of something that you might use with with a towel. To our, our typical question for you, would, uh, would you rather have four more inches of height or four more inches
1: of dong? Well, it's a bit presumptuous to uh, think that it's getting any use at all these days. It's <laughs> recently turned 40.
0: Congratulations.
1: Different prescriptions are uh, starting to come in the mail. <laughs> I don't know what, what good uh, four inches of dong would do me anymore. Orange, I, I'd probably just leave everything as – well, I'd take the dong. I guess you'd <laughs> oh, so you would take the dong. I'll take the dong for just doling out dong and just,
0: <laughs> Feel good yeah. at the urinal. What's that? Feel more powerful at the urinal. Gotta take a, a full half step back.
1: It's a little more to lift, I guess, but <laughs> I could make it work.
0: That's great to hear. Fantastic. So there we have it. Just as everyone was guessing, the reason that everyone came here to hear whether or not you would take more four more inches of dong or four more inches of height is four more inches as dong, which was the favorite going into this.
1: It has been. It's a two-year running favorite. So
0: Yes. Um, so we'll quickly move into an area of expertise for you, but certainly not myself. Um, IU basketball, I know they're off to certainly a better start than they've been in the past four or five years. What is your take to the on the season um, to this point, and what are your thoughts on you know, the second half of the season, Big Ten Tournament, NCAA Tournament,
1: all of it? I think, you know, I, I, I have a generally optimistic view of where we are and, and what we've gone through. I think that Xavier win is looking better and better. It's one of those things, I think, particularly in the, the case of, I, well, me, you look at a schedule on paper, you look at those four non-conference games of at Zip, uh, Arizona neutral site, um, North Carolina at home, Kansas on the road. But prior to the season, I would have said, hey, if we're two and two, that um, right that would be that would be par for the course. If we're three and one, great. If we're one and three, not so great. You know, and we we won two and that Zip or Wayne is aging better and better and we lost to. Um so on paper I think that's fine. I, you know, you look at some of those games and I, I went to the Arizona game uh in Vegas. Um first time I've been to an Indiana game in a long time. Mm. Uh, and I saw a lot of effort there. I mean we got we got jobbed by the refs, no doubt, no doubt about that. Um but that Arizona team just played with first off they were just hitting every shot they took. Which is frustrating. Part of that's maybe our defense. I know it was the worst points per possession, wouldn't snare up. Um, but I think we played with grit and tenacity. So there's, yeah, I was. We did not win. It wasn't really even close. But were some things that didn't go our way. That obvious missed goaltend and a few other bad calls that, you know, six points in the box score, but much more of a momentum shift in favor of Arizona that that hurts. So that was pretty good. The Kansas game, I anyone who watched it was pretty disappointed in it. It was the
0: only Um, game I've watched this season.
1: Oh, that's a shame. Um, I think the big takeaway is, you know, Xavier Johnson going down with the foot injury, which I don't know, they haven't exactly said what that is to my knowledge, but um, I know he had surgery on it, and I guess we're anticipating he could come back at the end of the year, but they're much more secretive about injuries in college, so you just don't know what it is. Um, it looked to me like he was grabbing the bottom of his foot, so he might have had something to do with a tendon down there. I personally, have, I've sprained that ligament that's at the bottom of the foot. So not that I'm much more of an expert than the average guy, but who knows? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we played th- – that was a horrible game. We just played crap. We didn't do a lot of things right – chalk it up to a tough game at Kansas that I think we we're all expecting to lose and you know, and then it's been this weird rut of we played Elon, we played someone else, Kennesaw State, I think. And then we just haven't played a game for for a long damn time. It's been the longest when's the last game we played here. Um so we play Iowa tomorrow. But prior to that, when did we last play? It been since December twenty third. So talk about a massive layoff. And then, you know, the real – any game of consequence we played is the 17th. So I don't know what to expect, um, you know, for the next week or so. I think I'm, I'm fairly happy with where things are at. Um, we didn't really stub our toe. You, that, that Rutgers game was always going to be challenging. I wish we would have won there. I wish we would have gotten over that Rutgers hump. <laughs> what could we do? They just – Purdue, I leaves so – that's a pretty damn good team too. So no, nothing, nothing embarrassing to this point. Um, I think we're squarely in the tournament. Uh, maybe, you know, if we end up with a five seed, you might say that's below where we wanted to be considering we started the season what top, top 50 or something. Yeah. So that's right around where, you know, we started the year. I don't think there's a clear, my dad seemed to think that Purdue is the best team in the country. I haven't watched Purdue play yet. It's just hard for me to believe that they got better without, uh, you know, with Ivy going to the NBA. So um, we'll see. I think the Big Ten season is going to be in typical Big Ten. I, I think a lot of teams lost pieces, but there's also been some reloading. You know, with Purdue being a good example of that, they, they lose the lottery pick. Wisconsin lost the lottery pick. Um who else? There was no, oh Iowa lost lottery pick and I feel like Big Ten just typically reloads and that's no different this year. They're Wisconsin's still pretty damn good. We still pretty damn good despite what they lost. So it's gonna be a grind out.
0: Gotcha. If you had to predict, kinda of close this this uh, section of the podcast out, what uh, what would you guess is the seed for IU right
1: now? I'd say four or five. One thing I like about our schedule, um, and I don't have it in front of me, but I remember looking at this last week is we there's no real gauntlets. Like sometimes you'll have a, a really tough home game and then two two or three tough road games, or even not tough, but just road games in the Big Ten tend to be tough. I think I've noticed the schedule is unique in that we it's kind of back and forth. It's sort of a tough game, winnable game, tough game, winnable game. Every game's winnable, but you know, it's not a series of long, tough games that can kind of suck the morale out of the season. So I'm still going to go with a four or five seed, um, hopefully win that, um, and, and, you know, be on pace to, to make the Sweet 16. Uh, then maybe, well, I don't want to be the, the fanboy, but, you know, I'd love to pull something off and make it to the Elite Eight. But, yeah, Christ, just win the game.
0: Right. Yeah, it would be just great to be there first time in a couple of years. Um,
1: um last year, yeah, you canuck.
0: Oh, that's right. And I do remember watching the game. Sorry, we won the first game. I remember drinking, and then that's the second game we got our ass kicked. Yep, I remember. All right, <laughs> closing that out. Moving on to to more worldly events, um, the World Cup, and we can also talk a little bit um, about the uh, the fan tracks, EPL league, if you'd like. Um, I guess first thought, you know. What what were your thoughts on the World Cup game that we played, and then did you were you able to catch the the finals with uh, with France and Argentina?
1: Uh, I thought yeah, I really enjoy the format we do it uh, that we take with that league. Um, I think it's a lot of fun because it has that extra wrinkle of you know how how far your team can advance. Yeah, and for me, I mean, it, I just it, my my team was horrible, but I think my strategy going was was fairly sound, you know, hedging my bets a little bit, taking Lewandowski you knowing that Poland wasn't a shoe in to get out of group stage So taking Raul Jimenez who is just awful God, is he awful uh, but, you know, it's like there's a chance Mexico could advance um, so if you click on my team, I don't know if you had that up I, it was just, you know, I had Griezmann I had a, a French goalie
0: yeah, and you had uh, Laurens who was he's, huge he's, for you because they kept making it, but he couldn't get a clean sheet until, like, the knockout rounds.
1: I don't – did he have any clean sheets? Um, Maybe one. I think he had one. No, um,
0: he, had, he had none.
1: Oh, he had none. Okay, you're right. I, which yeah. is stunning. Like, to be France, to be that favorite, to to get for the championship and have zero clean sheets is kind of mind-boggling. Um, especially some of the games they had were almost shoe-ins. I, I specifically drafted him. I specifically drafted French players because I love the group they were in.
0: Mm-hmm. From
1: the French perspective and, and to get zero clean sheets. Yeah. Oh, I, I had one.
0: You had – oh, you did have one. Yes, it was pulling it up. It, oh. it took this Google Sheets a, a moment to pull it up because there's yeah. there's a lot of data that's pulling in. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I thought you, uh, you really kind of came in at the end and, and moved up quite a few spaces um, or places, I should say, because um, I felt like the, the tournament, uh, like, I mean, so much of it's goal dependent, right? And like, um, it just seemed like rather than Griezmann scoring them, um, it seemed like Mbappe was just scoring at will, particularly at the beginning of the tournament. Um, so, yeah, and, and I, I, I thought the uh, the actual game went really well. Um, people seemed to to take to the slow draft um, after a while, once they they kind of figured it out. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked the the format. I actually thought... You know, if, if we had interest, we could do this format with um, Champions League, um, which I think would be obviously a lot easier for some of the guys, um, you know, especially if you're on the West Coast. Um, it could be really difficult to, to, you know, wake up and, and make the appropriate roster changes for, you know, the, the early games in the EPL. It's like 4 a.m. their time. So, um, you know, that might be another competition in the future, if there's interest that we could pretty easily put together, um, and you know they, it's it, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be difficult for me to to enter that in. I was also thinking, and I mentioned this the other day on the thread, um, that we could uh, do this for the WBC and do like I don't know, like three hitters and a pitcher. Um, you know, presumably there would be, you know, most people would take players from the U.S. and the Dominican Republic, but there's a lot of really good teams. Um, it should be a really exciting tournament in uh, the month of March. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, something that, you know, I know folks haven't really thought about because the last time we had a WBC was like 2019. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, I found it to be a really fun tournament um, to watch. Um, and, and so... Hopefully that that catches uh, some interest within the group you know if we only have four or five guys doing it that's cool you know we can make it 20 bucks and you know winner take all or, or first and second but it would be really easy to do and, and we could pretty easily apply that to this board um, or this spreadsheet that I that I, they've been uh, built out and, and make some you know quick tweaks and and uh,
1: yeah. and run it um, that could be that could be fun I think the slow graph Uh, I liked it for this format in particular, Um, especially since like you get to the point where you're just like picking names out of a hat and and a a little bit of extra research time. Um, And I think the WBC, I've never really followed it at all in any of its iterations. Um, This would give me a chance personally to focus on some of those other rounds. I mean, I'll root for the U.S., but it's not like the U.S. takes too seriously in terms of the roster formation. You know, it's not the World Cup. It's we always just have some kind of like skipper relievers, and mm-hmm. pretty your team in general. Where you look at like Puerto Rico, and that infield's going to be stacked, has been stacked. Um, just for example.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I it is it is a bit of a mix, and I think yeah, if you look at the bullpen in particular, um, you know, it can be it. It's not our our best relievers, but I think uh, I think Devin Williams actually is the. Uh, Kind of the, the headliner there, if you will, um, but our like I, the rest of the offense is actually pretty solid. Like I, I and I think part of that is, and I think this is kind of what you were getting at is I think it's being taken more seriously by the guys and it's also a way for them to opt out of you know being in spring training, especially if they're a veteran. Um, I had the the actual commitments up uh, a few weeks ago or a few days ago on. Ooh. So you can, you can find it in the gallery. But, like, our outfield right now is, like, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. So, like,
1: oh, really?
0: yeah. So, like, if you're going to the WBC, the the March 9th trip, like, it's going to be, like, Betts, Trout, and, like, Arenado and Goldschmidt versus Great Britain. And their best player is uh, Mariners prospect Harry Ford. Um, so... It's kind of like a better version of the All Star Game where they're actually like really really taking like at least some of it seriously and especially once they advance like I think when they play the Dominican Republic like I think that's gonna be a fucking game because like that 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 team is really good and I mean Japan and Korea have you know pretty solid teams and you know I think especially some of the uh, like Colombia and Mexico have pretty good pitching um, so I you know it's a it's a tournament that I think will continue to grow. Um, in interest, like, from, you know, the public. But I think within, uh, you know, baseball, I, I think it, it has caught on a bit because it's really the only time that you get to do anything meaningful, like, from a country standpoint. Because I don't know that anyone really cares about the
1: Olympics um, for for baseball. So, um, yeah, I you know, I think Marcus Stroman was our ace four years ago.
0: That sounds right, yeah.
1: That's what our pitching staff looks like this year. But it's like, for God's sake, Marcus Stroman—that's the best we could throw out there. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I think it'll
0: like, be—I think it'll be different this year. I think it's always a little bit more challenging for the pitchers because, like, they're much more likely to get hurt than the position players, where you know you're just not at less risk. I feel like, and plus, you get subbed in and out like so much in those games.
1: Sure. Well, and I know they have innings limits too in the games and right. for the course of the tournament, but. Still, I mean, that, that that's exactly my point, right? Like, it's got to be prioritized the right amount to make it enticing. And I think if you're trotting out Marcus Stroman, who's Marcus Stroman of 2019, was a hell of a lot – well, not a hell of a lot, but a little bit better than 20, the Marcus Stroman version of 2023. Um, but that will be a telltale sign to you know, where the, the tea leaves are, are falling with this thing.
0: Yeah. Yep. for sure. Um Speaking of Rob, who did end up winning our World Cup game, um, he was uh, part of a poll question that I put up yesterday, which was, who is his biggest rival? And at the moment, through 10 votes, you are leading with five votes. I have three, and Johnny has two. Would you say that that Rob is your biggest rival? Do you think that's that's fair?
1: Um. No. I, I don't know. I mean, I think we could probably all agree that Gower was his official biggest rival, right? Yes. In the absence of Gower, the thing is, like, everything with me and Rob is lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Gower had a nice blend of, like, you know, mostly lighthearted, but a touch of animosity that made it sort of fun. Um, I mean, I think Johnny and Rob, it almost seems like there's actual bad blood there. I don't know if that's at all the case, but. Part of that's just Johnny. Johnny's even when Johnny's joking around, he still kind of has a more "fuck you" serious mentality than you know, I would or Gower would. Right. Um, is he my biggest rival? I would consider maybe Johnny my biggest rival, just because there was that like historical you know things that we still talk about on the podcast. He's been in the league since day one. I have you know since season one. Um, Rob, Rob would be one of them, but I kind of feel like. I'm kind of surprised that everyone's on the list. I mean, Jack gives Rob a hard time too, right? I mean, Jack would probably, I think we all kind of view Rob as a little bit of comedic relief. Um, And I don't, I don't mean that in a degrading way necessarily, but like it's fun to fuck around with Rob. Yeah. Especially especially when he reacts the way he reacts. And it's just, you know, he has that just Rob way of, hit that crab way of sort of not being able to take a joke sometimes and just taking things way too seriously. and So I love getting his go there, and I think we all do. But I think Johnny has a little bit of true animosity towards Rob, but sometimes that's just Johnny's personality. So Rob would be one of them for me. Um, He'd probably be the only one I really consider outside of Johnny. I'd still say Johnny's probably my biggest rival just because there's I feel like John's the same thing. We all probably have Johnny number one or number two on our rivalry list, yeah. just because, you know, it's fucking Johnny. We all want to beat him. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I hate you as Thank much you. as as much as ever. But um, <laughs> I think my rivalry would be Johnny number one, Crab number two.
0: Yeah, that's probably what I would say for you too. Just kind of an observation over the years. I, w- I would definitely put Johnny number one
1: for you. I would. Put. But I don't know, I don't know if Johnny, ask him when he's on the podcast, like who's his number one rival? Who would he can, you know, tend? And he'd probably do something condescending, like, uh, you know, kind like you had with Rob almost, where it's, since I'm number one, how can I be his rival? But, I'm sure he'd have some, you know, Yeah. Like that, but,
0: if I were to guess, he would probably say me and Andrew. Um, yeah. Um, that, that, that would be that would be my guess. But, like, to Rob's point, like, I mean, one thing that, like, has to be acknowledged, like, Rob has made the playoffs or come in the money every year for the past three years. So, like, even though, like, he hasn't won in a few years, like, he has been very successful. He's a very formidable player in this game. Um, so, like, he, I...
1: I he a, yeah, he has a, a niche or a methodology. Like, last year, you know, for me personally obviously when Tatis went down, um, I was giving myself a two week runway. Like, let's just see how this thing works right out of the gate. I I might have a shot here. You never know what's going to happen. Who's going to be the next Robbie Ray or Paul Goldschmidt kind of season. Um, So, but then I quickly bowed out and, and tried to get my money's worth, you know, literally and figuratively. Rob probably should have done that last year, but Rob being Rob, you know, Fought and gave everything like he does that that Rob 120%, which the big picture view, you'd be like, man, that's idiotic. He's just going to have to constantly be doing it, but he he constantly does it and is somehow able to find a way to make the playoffs. You know, I don't think he's had a formidable team where you're really looking at, like, gosh, I don't want to face him in the playoffs, like your team or or Johnny's team, which were just bonkers last year. Um, You know, he hasn't had that kind of team in a while, but. Gotta give got Rob credit. I'll be damned. That guy, that guy tries harder than anyone, maybe at his own peril.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much exactly how I how I feel about Rob's team. Is like he didn't make a single trade last off season, and he's already made two, including one that just went official as I was typing a moment ago. Um, and so he, I I just feel like Rob really puts himself behind the eight ball, particularly in the off season. And then you know the the games start getting played, and he you know flips you know kind of the script and, and really goes for it all no matter what. He does a really good job of um, going for it when others are kind of uncertain mm-hmm. about how they should react. Kind of in the 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 end of the the first third of the season, should I buy? Should I sell? Should I stand pat? Rob just always buys. Rob always takes the most aggressive choice, so he actually takes their position away. And I feel like this is what happened a little bit with Tim and with Adam last year, where Rob was a little behind them, but because he was so aggressive in, you know, purchasing a, a Luis Castillo and was obviously playing the waiver wire um, pretty aggressively as well, he was able to run by them. Um, and uh, and I feel like he's done that a, a couple times in the past where, uh, yeah, where where most owners would be like, you know, I should probably sell when I start 0-4, as he did last year, um, but... Yeah, to your point, he, he just kind of hangs around, hangs around. But the downside of that is he generally doesn't have enough money to get himself into the finals. So he's always going to end up in a spot where he comes in third or fourth because he's not going to be able to play with the elite teams um, that are usually in the first or second spots. Um, so like, yeah, I really wanted to play Rob the past two years because I just couldn't really see a scenario in which he would come out or it was really unlikely that he would come out. On top, um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely spot on uh, with uh, with Rob, and, and I'll probably write a little bit about Rob's team when I do the uh, the off season review, um, mm-hmm. just kind of putting more detail to that because um, it's it's really it, it's really interesting watching him take advantage of positions that are given to him by other owners in the league, um, especially when you would consider. Like, I mean, Rob was brought into the league by Adam, and Adam was, like, probably two games ahead of Rob last year, and Rob went right past him um, because Adam wasn't just didn't know what to do in, during that spot of the season. It's actually a, a, an issue for a lot of members of the league, in my opinion.
1: And, and everyone was trashing Rob, and I think I, I don't know if it was a poll or what, but I was the only one who kind of stuck up for him. Like, you guys are – he just made some moves that were – very quiet. Nobody ever talked about the Freddie Freeman move. Mm-hmm. Like that was not vocalized at all. And it's like, that was a quiet move that he made that sort of, you know, he was, he was like Johnny, a poor man's Johnny last year, literally, you know, Johnny was making these massive, you know, massive plays to, to get the, I guess it was just Garrett Cole's the one that comes to mind, but like, he shouldn't have had Garrett Cole. Um, but he just kind of gave some fuck you money out there and, and, ended up getting him and Rob did the same thing in, in other ways where he might've sacrificed a lot for next year or sacrificed this year for last, whatever. Um, but just didn't quite have the, the payroll that, uh, Johnny did.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so since the, the trade season officially opened three days ago and we actually had, um, a hell of a lot of activity in the first few days, um, with that Joe Musgrove trade, We've now had six trades in the first four days of the year. Um, I wanted to run through them and, and also maybe get some Insta reaction from some of the deals that went down today. We had three that went down this evening. Um, actually, as I was waiting for you to, uh, to jump on to Skype, but we'll go in chronological order. Um, and I, I thought you summed up this first trade very well um, when it went down and, and that the uh, Julio Urias and Robbie Ray deal um, for one hundred and thirty-five dollars, um, me trading Urias and Ray to Will for one hundred and thirty-five dollars, it was uh, it was definitely a a bang um, to to start the trade season. But uh, what were your thoughts on this deal?
1: Well, overpayment. Um, I thought that then, and you know, you look at Musgrove for sixty. Um, I, I think that sort of shows you the market value, and I think you probably overpaid. I sometimes we obsess over with overpayment or underpayment. I, I don't think that really ultimately matters. He's getting at least one good pitcher. Robbie Ray, I'm just, uh, you know, he and Zach Wheeler are just sort of over the hill guys that I'm just shocked. They're many years. They had kind of like the pitchers equivalent of Paul Goldschmidt or something. Um, so I'm not going it, to, it's an overpayment, but so what? He has the money to do it. Um, you know, he shores up two pitchers that will fit in nicely um, with his 90 keeper dollars. So um, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of the acquisition. I think he overpaid. I'm not sure what his strategy is for the rest of the season, but I think that and the Gonsolin, that's a shit ton of money, man. Uh, but I'm not sure what else he would have really done with it. So, um. But I think the, the Musgrove trade for 60 bucks kind of shows you the market value, and he, he overpaid for those guys, undoubtedly.
0: Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll disagree, obviously. Um, I didn't want to get rid of either of these guys. Um, Cleo Urias is only like 26 or 27 years old, scored 380 points last mm-hmm. season. He's been very consistent um, since he started. Um, I don't think that he has quite the ceiling um, that you would associate with like, perhaps like a top five guy, like he's probably not ever going to go over 210 innings, at least not while Dave Roberts is the manager of the Dodgers or he's on the, on the Dodgers. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray's probably not as old as you think he is. He's just been around a long time. Um, and, and the, gift, well, how old is he? he's only like 30, 30 or 31. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the big thing with, with Robbie Ray is, I mean, the, the, well, with both of these guys is the value, I mean, Urias is $14, and Robbie Ray was $15. So, like, they're super cheap, Um, you know, compared to, say, like a Jacob deGrom, or an Aaron Nola, or a Kevin Gausman. The other thing is, Robbie Ray is 12 months removed from winning the AL Cy Young. Um, you know, the, the ceiling with Robbie Ray is, is actually insane, because... He pretty much just strikes out guys, and he pitches for the Mariners, which is going to um, you know, suppress some of the home runs that he would give up in, say, like a Yankee Stadium or something like that, because um, he, he definitely has a home run, a fly ball issue he has his entire career. It's always been above league average. Um, so, like, in terms of an overpayment, I actually think Robbie Ray, between Urias, Ray, and Musgrove, like if you were to tell me like someone goes for 450, I would bet on Robbie Ray, because he has a significantly higher strikeout rate than the other two. Um so like I'll I'll kind of push back. Um I felt like these guys went for about what they wanted. I asked for 150. Um and Will whittled this down to 135. Um, like and and, and like I said in the chat, like you if you your your view of this trade probably depends on what you think of Robbie Ray and I would say most of the league probably feels the same way you do about Robbie Ray but I think that there's a disconnect from reality that the league collectively may have because I tried to make this trade with Adam I tried to do this exact deal with Adam last season for Garrett Cole straight up and he he walked away from it but you look at Robbie Ray and Julio Urias one was a top 15 pitcher one was like a top 20 pitcher this past year um, there's a lot of re- reliability in those two and there's upside um, with them that that doesn't exist with many of the other pitchers that are going um, for this market. Um, so that's, that's kind of my view on this.
1: That, that's fair. I mean, I, I think I was thinking he would more 33, 34 and kind of like Madison Bumgarner's 33 to Grom's 34. I, th- I thought he's a little bit more that age. Um, that helps a little. Um you know, the other thing too, is when you have that sort of up and down year, which Robin Gray's kind of had that as much as anyone, maybe like Sonny Gray the only guy I could think of who just very up and down aside, you know, under, um, atrocity he had a few years back. Um, so there's a, there's a degree of it. I, I was thinking that plus, plus an older age than 31. Uh, it's not like he'd be untouchable. Um, I like Urias better just because the, the youth element – and I'm talking just for the keeper purposes, right? Because I think if you're paying $135, bucks, you are looking at this more longer term. You know, have have both these guys on your roster for two three seasons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's bad. I, I still would take Musgrove for $60 um, versus whatever you'd get for Robbie Ray. You know, if you broke those up individually and kind of allocated that 135 to each, I, I'd rather have Musgrove for 60 Okay. Like Musgrove keeps for right around the same amount, right? Yeah, at least he's. He's not doing he's my complete research, f- but I mean, they're all kind of in the teens.
0: Yeah, they're all right around each other.
1: Yeah, I, and, and so I think we're we're comparing apples to mostly apples there. Um, I don't know Jeff Joe Musgrove's age off the top of my head. I should have had him add that when I cameoed uh, him. I think he's about C-O-C-O-C. 30. Um.
0: While you're looking that up, I'll I'll go on to the to Tony Goslin for forty five bucks and uh, Carlos Correa who's valued at fourteen. So like one of the things that definitely came up as I was talking with Will was he really wanted Carlos Correa off his, his roster. Um. So yeah. He definitely accomplished that. I I think it's interesting that it went to Rob because Rob is you know Rob's trying to offload a lot of product right now. Um. So it was another it's another player for Rob probably to offload because I can't see. Um, him keeping Carlos Correa unless he, like, sells Lindor and a couple other pieces. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if Rob gets stuck with Correa. Um, Gosselin, let's, let's just kind of look at it from Gosselin for 45 bucks. I was a little surprised, but, like, if you give Tony Gosselin another 30 innings at the same rate um, that he was performing at, I, I can kind of get on board um, with the 45 I thought it was a slight overpayment. Um, I, I, don't think he's going to go 16 and one though. Um, but, but I do actually think that he has room for improvement in a strikeout rate. Um, so like I, it's kind of an overpayment, but like when we look back a year from now, I can see where people are like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause Tony Gosselin's not particularly old. And, and I've always liked Tony Gosselin. Um, it's really just been a matter of health for him. So, um, you know, an overpayment and, uh, you know, someone who really wanted to get Carlos Correa off the roster for whatever reason, and I'm not a big Carlos Correa guy myself in fantasy. Um, but uh, you know, it was I thought it was a great deal for Rob.
1: Yeah, Carlos Correa for me is a guy I would I I would draft, but I wouldn't trade for. Right. Um, you know, a kind of guy you expect to see on draft day, and and and, and I like him. You yeah, never quite he's, he's good. You know, gonna get, but you know, on the uh, if you're drafting at that position, you're. I feel like you're going to get value, but the health thing um, is definitely something to consider. De- I agree. Overpayment. I think you're you're paying for last year's version of Gonsolin, and like you said, he's not going to go sixteen and one again. Um, I've liked him in the past. Same thing. Is he going to get the innings? Is he going to stay healthy? Um, I don't. We'll see what Robs. I We'll see what happens with Correa. I mean, he could get dealt again. Yeah. That's a capable price, but it would have to be, you know, uh, somebody looking to really have that sort of Tetris in their lineup, and they're getting to the last day of uh, before keepers get submitted, and you for some reason have fourteen dollars to spare, You're worth popping into your roster? But
0: Carlos Correa has Adam Witten or Jack Pegula written all over him, um, for my my vantage point. I can see that. Um. What? Well, how old was Joe Musgrove? By the way, did you find
1: it? Yeah, he's thirty. Which yeah. I would. Um, you know, I. It's you forget like, those Pittsburgh days. and and Houston days. I mean, it's because I was living in Houston when he was a hot prospect coming up. So it's it's weird. I remember when Jay Bruce retired, and I'm like, Jay Bruce, he's just a fucking prospect.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember, remember those prospect the, days.
1: Perpetual prospect, and I, and that's kind of what J, Joe Musgrove has been. Like, same with Jameson Tyon. I I consider Jameson Tyon like a 22-year-old hotshot. And that guy's, you know, old enough to... Also 30. Yep. Old enough to probably have uh, towels on his Christmas list, so...
0: (laughs) And he probably has a whole set. Yep. Um, So let's move on to the next one. And this one was to the uh, befuddlement of the entire league when, when it went yeah. down, but but hopefully some of the context I provided made it make more sense. And I do want to talk about this trade at length because I could see this trade becoming an in vogue sort of thing for some, um, for, for some types of particularly pitchers. But but what were your what were your thoughts on Alec Manoa returning to uh, Jack Battaglia in exchange for Riley Green?
1: So can you provide that context again for me and for our listeners across the Yeah, world? let me let me scroll up
0: and I'll, I'll read. So basically what happened was, and this was, it was really funny because Jack actually did reach out when this trade was going down last July. And I believe I was actually in Greece with COVID at the time. And I remember reading this text and I was like, you're gonna do what? Like, no, don't do a loan deal. I, cause I, I, I really don't. I. Anytime there's a loan discussed in the baseball league, I get a little antsy because it, it, uh, kind of, you, you kind of get collusion vibes from it, which I would never put on VJ or Jack in this situation. But, um, basically, what the deal was was, um, VJ traded. Uh, Riley Green and $25 to Jack in exchange for Alec Manoa as well as Alex Cobb, I believe. And then the agreement was, so, so Jack got like the $25 straight up. So like it's kind of in reverse, like rather than him getting $25 now, he got $25 then. And then they agreed that they would trade Riley Green back in exchange for Alec Manoa. Regardless of what happened the rest of the season um, in the offseason, I told them because it's a, like a handshake agreement or a gentleman's agreement, I can't enforce the terms of the deal. So if one of them fucked the other one over, that that's how that would work out. But if you really Wait. think
1: – oh, go ahead. Well, so because we've – so they came to you last year and said there's a handshake piece to it, right? Yeah. And that – I was, always, I was wondering how they did that when the news came out that they had taken that approach. Because I've talked about that. I, I think probably a lot of us have. I remember talking about that with Tim last year, maybe even the season before, and like, hey, can I basically borrow so-and-so from you and handshake to give them back to you? And he's like, is that even legal? Like, fuck yeah, it's legal. It's a monopoly. You just make up the rules as you go. Um, but I didn't know if we'd ever actually see it because there's the, there is the piece of it that is – the handshake, right? And, and I'm glad you didn't enforce it because there needs to be that that risk. You know, I guess a an injury risk and b a, you know, kind of a fuck you risk. Going back to the whole like hand, handshake deal I had with Johnny, uh, like like back a decade, ago,
0: like a decade ago now,
1: right? So whenever we made that deal. Um, so it's, I'm curious that they've done that. I don't see this being a trend because I think this is something I bring up every sort of year, like, hey, if you really like this prospect, I'll give him back to you at the end of the year. Like, you know, you're trying to trade for somebody, and they're like, no, I want to keep fucking Carlos Correa. And you're like, dude, I, I have no desire to keep Carlos Correa. I'll give him back to you at the end of the year. Just let me borrow him for the season. You're out of it, right? And So we might see another one or two of these, but I don't think it's going to be a trend, really, especially if you're kind of declaring for once and for all that you're not going to enforce the handshake part of it.
0: Yeah. No, I, it, it just puts me in a really weird spot. Um, the one thing that like if, and we didn't have any precedent for it, which was the other thing that made me feel uncomfortable about, it, but now that it's been done and it's kind of out in the open, like, you know, if we were to say standardize, like a loan deal, if we were to like kind of formalize the process, I think what I would want to do is I would want to increase the required amount of money. So like $25 isn't that much money, but like, if it was like $50, I think I'm a little bit more on board with something like this because it's only going to happen to a very specific group of players who could be kept, right? Like, because if you're not like if you're if Alec Manoa were like a hundred dollars, this trade doesn't happen. Like, there's no trade back. It's just you're gonna like he. Neither of them can keep Alec Manoa in that situation, but because Alec Manoa is only ten bucks, you know this situation can arise where hey, I'm clearly out of it. I'd like to. You know get some money out of this asset that's currently on my roster that i currently can't use but i'd like to get him back as well so like it's i think it's a really interesting um way to do business because like the other thing is like jack could turn around and trade alec Manoa for like 100 bucks and like so like he actually would have made like 125 dollars total off of alec minoa between the in-season and the off-season so it's, it's very much like a, a world football trade, which I think is kind of cool in, on some level. But I'd, I'd rather the money be higher, and I'd like for teams to only be able to engage in this type of business one time a year.
1: Yeah, you would have to put some stipulations because this would be it, – it's not a loophole, but it would be something that I would try to exploit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, the I moment mean, Johnny liked the trade – And the moment I got a text message saying, what the fuck, was the moment of that I knew I needed to say something. Um, Because, yeah, Johnny would also – he would also loophole the fuck out of this this
1: sort of thing. Oh, yeah, we all would. I mean it it would just be the next new thing, right? It would be – you know we evolve from the uh, massive overpayment, the the Garrett Coles of the world, to the Sunday trades, to this would be the next iteration. Um, Not loophole, but it would be – you just, buy, you just buy your entire team. It doesn't matter who you draft. Um, right. You know, now you're using players the same way you're using dollars. Um, so it, it'd be it, – it. I wouldn't want to let people exploit it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like someone will. Someone will have like, – like if you look at Andrew's roster, Andrew has like four super cheap pitchers. And if, you know, something happened with his team where he falls out of it, how easy would it be for him to do like basically four loan deals for 35 bucks a pop on all four of those pitchers and then get them back, you know, for nothing. Yeah, next And that's
1: season. another looking at the flip side. It's like, boy, I could have made a shit ton more money last year. Cause I was in a spot where I, I had a lot of keepable, you know, redones and yeah, east where I could have loaned those guys out for big bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of take it. Sort of looks at pitchers in particular, regardless, sort of irrespective of their cost, the, the top twenty pitchers will get dealt, right? Assuming they're not on competitive teams, right? Um, and that that would shake things up more than it kind of takes as, takes part of the savviness of, of the draft and roster management out of the, the picture. So I wouldn't want to over.
0: Yeah. I, I think it would, act, it would definitely end up ruining the game in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So I think we I think could...
1: We just, we just keep the status quo and kind of the, the risk of the handshake. You know, and I, I think we've all, like I said, I've, I've talked about that before other managers. We've never actually executed one. But there's that risk element that would be in place that I think if we just let the risk part of it ride, that would be the other way to keep the... keep these on the... happening less and less.
0: Maybe. I I feel like it would it would absolutely get exploited um by two or three people basically just doing it back and forth each year. One year one person's competitive, then the other person sells and then make sure that person's competitive and the other person and they can agree with it, but like it just ruins the competitive the competitiveness of the league. Um So
1: if, if somebody came to me last year and said, Hey, you know, sell me Redon and Cease, I'll give you 75 bucks I have 50 bucks and i'll get them back to you at the end of the season i'm not sure i'd take it i mean i'd take i'd love the deal right i'd love to have 50 bucks but it's like you know how much i'd get fucked if they decided to do something else with it and it was just a pure handshake
0: right but then they ruin the relationship with you right like you're not going to do right. business with that person anymore right. so, so there's
1: like- i think that element of it will keep this will put some governance on this method being used going forward so opposed to saying you can do it once and only once and and make it a more formal handshake i think having an informal handshake keeps it keeps the risk will keep this happening at a minimum i think it'll happen but it'd be hard to exploit it because i i would not have sold radon and uh cease last year under that Unless I got like a hundred bucks, right, and then it's like, okay, then the risk is worth the reward here. But
0: right, but then they're never gonna. If you sell him for a hundred bucks, they're not gonna give him back to you. Like it has to be a lower amount of money.
1: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't have done it for fifty because it's the risk would have been too too much to deal with. For a hundred bucks, there's there's the risk is worth it. You right, know?
0: but like they're like, but, but that's no not risk, a loan deal. Yeah. Then they're just yeah. buying them from you from you, because they yeah. only have so much money. What? Because they they also only have so much money. Like because when we're in season, everyone's yeah. starting with two sixty. So like or like there's only I don't know, yeah everyone just has two hundred sixty bucks. So like you make a hundred dollar deal on a fifty dollar deal, you're pretty low.
1: Right, but it, but it would I think we'd get to the point where like hey the trade deadline's tomorrow. Anyone who's rosterable would get dealt, right? And like Rodon and Cease would have I would have sold them for a dollar as long as I get them back.
0: Right, and that would be that would not be great. I mean, you could do that. Like, I mean, anyone could
1: could theoretically
0: do that. But like
1: Well, I it would get you, chastised in the chat, well, but Yeah, it, it's I don't know. I hope I hope this is not the I hope this is the exception to the rule and not the the rule going forward.
0: Yeah, I would prefer for this deal not to happen very often unless we put some some stipulations in place. Like I I I couldn't really see it going wrong just based on my experiences with different members of the league. Yep. Um, so let's, let's move into some of the trades that happened tonight. We had three trades tonight. Um, and it was, uh, it was interesting throughout the day, kind of listening to different people weigh in on some of these trades. Like I had been waiting for this Musco Musgrove trade to go down now for like 36 hours and I'm glad it finally got done. Um, but the first one was one that I wasn't expecting, and that was Matt trading uh, Ronald Acuna to Andrew in exchange for uh, Jake Cronenworth and uh, Haniger, um, playoff hero, and thirty dollars. Um, so, and, and Acuna is thirty one keeps for thirty one. Um, so, what's your your instant reaction on this one?
1: I was not expecting someone to trade Acuna, really. I don't know which roster he would have fit on. Um, I, I can start to see what Javi's doing, especially when you look at the Soto trade happening as well. Right. It's going to have a fucking bonkers outfield, but there's not going to be a lot of room to put much else in there. Um, and certainly he has some pitching decisions he, he needs to make as well. But um, good, good trade, great trade for Matt. Agreed. Uh, great trade for Matt. I mean, this is one of those where I think you could... I'm not necessarily arguing this on behalf of Habby, but it's its a... Anything he could get for Acuna is going to be great, because I, I just don't think he fits in Matt's lineup, and, and the numbers don't work out. Cronenworth, um, yeah, nice little return. Haniger if he can have a year like he did two years ago, great deal. Um, so those are a little bit of gravy, but just getting 30 bucks for Acuna... Good for you, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think this is an interesting discussion with you and I because you and I kind of think alike in terms of the value of money and where it should be allocated to. Um, I think you're spot on with anything that Matt could have got for Acuna, he would have taken and would have been happy about. I have absolutely no idea if Cronenworth or Hanager make that keeper roster. My guess is they won't because Matt's – like keeper list is already pretty substantial. He has a lot of really good, cheap pitching. um, And he wasn't gonna be able to keep Acuna. So um, I thought it was a fantastic deal for Matt. I think to kind of your point at the very beginning, um, Andrew, you know, came into the off season with the most amount of money. I think he had 498 going into today. Um, And really only had about four or five spots that he could fill. He has four really good young pitchers that keep for very cheap. Um, But he really has nothing offensively um, to kind of get him to 90. Um, And I was curious, kind of, you know, playing with his roster on the keeper tool, you know, what he was going to add in there, whether or not he was going to build a complete rotation or if he was going to purchase maybe some of the players from Kaiser's roster, like a a Luis Robert um, or uh, an O'Neill Cruz or, you know, kind of players of that ilk who are young and cheap. Um, And he could throw some money at him and and get. Um, But this is the other option to go buy some expensive outfielders that are, you know, at least top five at at the position. Um, And and Acuna, you know, we'll see if he bounces back a little bit. Like I I think he was, I think he was pretty solid last year. He was pretty good. Um, But like, you know, will he be top five? Will he be like, you know, a top three player like he was before the injury? I think is the question. So, but it eats up a lot of that keeper space. Um, so that, that definitely, it definitely makes things easier for Andrew for the, for the rest of the, the off season period. I, I don't know how many more moves he has left. Um, but, I don't really see him selling much at this point and he doesn't really have room to buy that much either. Um, so.
1: Well, he, it, it, for, for me, I think he sort of kicks the can another year down the road. Um, uh, I think this puts him in a point, you know, you look at this in the Soto move, this puts him at a point where he can be competitive next year. I'm not going to love his team. And, and to be frank, I, I don't have his team memorized off the top of my head, but I know he um, emptied the gasket last year quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. and, so, you know, like you said, he could go one of two routes. One sort of build for the future, go out and get uh, some – oh, shit. Uh, you know, cease Radon just to bring those guys back into the conversation. Someone of that – that stature, pay maybe a little bit more. I mean, you know, sixty-one bucks for Acuna is uh, not a steal, but definitely he'd go for seventy-five in the auction. I think. Um,
0: oh yeah, for sure. If he gets thrown back, he's going to go for a lot of money. No argument there. Um, yeah.
1: Well, so that's. Oh yeah, he still got Freed, huh?
0: Yeah, he's got Freed. He's got. He's got a lot of Braves. I hope he gets TBS. I mean, with Acuna, Strider, and Freed, I mean, he's going to be watching a lot of Braves games um we add in soto he's already at 82. Flaherty?
1: he keep, he still has Flaherty
0: he has Flaherty he can't keep him though or he's not gonna keep him um he'll probably keep josh jung for a buck if i had to guess that gives him seven bucks left
1: well, what why would he keep Flaherty what does Flaherty keep it
0: Flaherty keeps that i think he's like 13. yo So, he's over unless he wants to go into the luxury tax, which he might, but I don't think it's going to be for Jack Flaherty. I think Jack Flaherty is getting tossed back. I'm guessing what I'm showing you right here, which is George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Max Fried, Ronald Acuna, Spencer Strider, Juan Soto, Josh Jung, and MJ Melendez. That's what he's keeping at this moment. Maybe he moves on from MJ Melendez, but he had a pretty good season, um, And as did, I mean, Josh Jung showed some, some promise, so... My guess is he's gonna he's gonna keep something that looks a lot like this, um, unless he makes a massive deal consolidating some of that starting pitching for like uh, like a, a Jacob Degrom or
1: something. Uh, that would be, uh, yeah, I, I think he would. To be honest, I think he either does a massive trade and just goes basically Soto, Acuna, and a Degrom Nola esque type roster, um, which would be. I can't remember the last time anyone's really done that um, and gone with that approach. But I, if he doesn't, I don't think this is what his roster is going to look like. I think he'll make some more moves.
0: Maybe. I I just can't see him moving on from that, that four. Um, like Spencer Strider, I think is this year's Shane McClanahan. I mean, that dude struck out an absurd amount of hitters in not many. I think he pitched like 130 innings last year and he, struck out over 200 batters like it was it was nuts what Spencer Strider was doing I like I would not I would not trade that that nucleus for
1: I wouldn't trade trade him I don't see him keeping Melendez Melendez he's always talked about Kirby and Gilbert I could see him I mean Heavy's Heavy's unique like I could see him selling some and buying some I'm almost guaranteeing that that's, that's not Heavy's last trade
0: okay
1: I hope no, you're right. I, I hope knows, you're right.
0: I just don't see anything rushing. on the right side of this page that he's going to sell. Like it has to be someone that he's currently keeping. So like he could he could package like a Kirby and Logan Gilbert, um, and and get you know that, a, another big time guy. But like that's, if I'm it's thinking. if it were me, I wouldn't do that. I would I would just keep what I've got here, or I would flip one of the players. That, I I would. So let's get into the Juan Soto deal. That might make this easier. So this is a groundbreaking deal in terms of a hitter. This is the most expensive hitter ever acquired in the offseason. Eighty bucks for an eighteen dollar Juan Soto. Um, so ninety eight total. If you're looking at it from that perspective, uh, what are your thoughts on this deal?
1: Um. You know, yeah, I I didn't think of it as groundbreaking. I mean, it's it's a lot. But it's an obvious move. I think someone who's going to do it. Um, eight, I think it's a fair price. I think, you know, it was a little disappointing last year, but definitely somebody he'd be on, he, he'll be on his roster for three, four more years, um, or at least be tradable and keepable at that price for three, four more years. Mm-hmm. Um, so long term, I think it's fine. 80 bucks. I don't know. It's maybe a little over market value, but when you have the money, usually right. this year, that's someone who you can keep. Who's, you know, Acuna and soda. That's going to be formidable. They go on tears. And, uh, what is his, what does he have going into the auction? Money wise. Uh, he will With
0: have, a- uh, three. So he has three right now He'll have two ninety nine to spend at auction. At this point. So that, so this number down here
1: how's that, how's that? <clears throat> Well, he just dropped 80 right. and 30 right
0: so he has 388 right now when you get rid of the 89 that i've got in there it goes down to 299 <coughs> disposable at
1: auction oh, he's got 388 right now after all the trades yes oh shit okay gotcha. yeah
0: and so like to that point i i I, I don't know that anyone's ever had that much money. I don't think anyone's ever went over five hundred. Um, so like he 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 could he could make this deal. Like I wouldn't recommend this deal to like most, but like sure go get. And I have Juan Soto as the best hitter in baseball this year for our league. Like I have him above Judge. So like um I, I don't ha- I don't have a problem with the deal. Um he did have like. Like last year probably represents the worst year that Juan Soto will have between now and the time he's in his mid-30s. And he scored like 515 points. Like, this is a perennial 600-point scorer. Um, yeah. He just, for whatever reason, struggled between Washington and, and moving to San Diego. Um, but I would be really surprised if um, if that continued. And even if it doesn't, like, I, I think 515's the floor. So, I think it's a good deal for both sides. Obviously, Johnny had to move Degrom or Soto and get some 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 money back. Um, he can now roster like a team. He can now have keepers like before. He was literally drafting all one dollar players and throwing everyone back. Um, so it gives him a little breathing room. Um, I I wasn't really sure who he would sell first, Soto or Degrom, and given that we've seen so many pitchers move. Um, I think he made the right choice in, in moving Soto who um, you know, everyone is is gonna be interested in, like, especially because of the price. Like I think DeGrom is there's only probably about four or five owners who can really take on DeGrom, especially with his injury risk um and his price. Um, but you know, obviously the upside is the best in baseball. So I don't know where he ends up or what that dollar amount is. Um, but I, yeah. I, I thought this was was a good deal for both sides.
1: Yeah, a good deal from both sides. I think it's such a natural fit for Hattie because the cover is fairly bare. That I don't know who else would have put up sixty dollars. I mean, probably could have gotten them a little bit cheaper. But again, you know, I'm not going to knock it.
0: Well, well, let me let me name someone. You, you, you would have been the only other person. I mean, you're yeah, sitting at four hundred and seventy dollars.
1: Yeah.
0: Have you been um, getting much activity in terms of trade offers?
1: You know, I've been out of the country. It's just this has not been a typical Scott Vanderpool offseason so far where usually I feel like I'm pumping people on day one. This year it's like people are texting me and it's sort of like, I just, you know, like Musgrove. I I was interested in Musgrove for sure. Um, I think that's a decent deal. I, I might have matched it, but I just didn't have time to like, I was on a boat without my spreadsheet, like long story short. Gotcha. Like it, I'm not making trades without my spreadsheet. So that hamstrung me. And usually uh, I feel like I'm early to the party and I know I'm definitely late to the party and it might cost me a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you certainly have enough money to make it up at the auction. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Um. Let's see. Okay. So we the two deals with Andrew, uh, the last deal, and, and you kind of alluded to it, was – Matt making another deal and trading for Joe Musgrove in exchange for sixty dollars from Rob, um, and you know I, and you also kind of mentioned it during the Urias Ray discussion that this is probably right around what the market says Joe Musgrove would go for. Um, I I think Joe Musgrove has pretty much solidified himself as a top twenty starter. I don't think he's top ten. I think. He The way he does it is probably more similar to Urias than it is Robbie Ray, whereas Robbie Ray is an elite strikeout guy. Or Joe Musgrove is, he's above average, he's going to get you six innings, he's going to get you quality starts, he's not going to go the distance typically unless he's throwing like a, a no-hitter. And I think that's what prohibits a pitcher like Urias and Musgrove from being truly elite, is that they don't rack up innings, particularly innings after the sixth inning. Um. And like, you know, we can talk a little bit more about Rob here from, or maybe we'll get to Matt cause I think it's an interesting trade for Matt too. But, but Rob is basically went from what? Like, like 70, I think $72 to $180 in three days, three or four days. So, um, you know, he's, he's definitely improved his prospects, um, for the auction and next season making these deals. Um and it certainly seems like based on what he said to you in the chat just now, um, that uh that he's got more uh more to sell, which he certainly does. Um any any thoughts or any any sort of surprise on Rob's end? Like I like he has three big pitch, or he has four big pitchers that were on his roster like last season. He had Joe Musgrove, his Aaron Nola, Luis Castillo, and he also had Luis Severino um you know Nolan be being the most expensive and I think most people would probably opt for the DeGrom option ahead of Nolan even though Nolan is probably safer and almost as almost as good or like the the 50th percentile outcome is probably about the same um and then Castillo's like 21 dollars, and Severino's 18 um which of those guys would you have preferred to have paid for or would you have just paid for
1: Musgrove Uh, I think Musgrove. Musgrove. Um, I I think you know. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. Just I'm not a Degrom guy at at the moment. I mean, it just the the math doesn't really work on my roster. I think Mm -hmm. somebody who and neither does Aaron Nola, you know, for that matter. So, um, so Musgrove. I'm just. I've been a fan of Musgrove for a while. A, I like him. you know, he's never really showed. His, his seasons just just gotten progressively better. Um, there's obviously the risk with Degrom, 34 years old. Um, so, are you, if you're asking who I like the most, might be a different question. Who I think made the most sense on my roster probably would have been Musgrove, okay, uh, or than Nolan or uh, Nola or or Degrom.
0: Yeah. I mean I yeah, I, I guess the other two I would I would have been asking for would have been Luis Castillo or Luis Severino.
1: So I wouldn't touch Severino. Know, I mean I, I remember when he got him, you know, for a buck or something super cheap and different story. But I, I just I'll let someone else I wouldn't have overpaid for him. i I'd happily take him on my roster for eighteen bucks. Same with Luis Castillo. I think you know, he had such an awful start last year. I wouldn't overpay for him either, but I I'd love to have on my roster for 21 bucks too. Um, but Musgrove, yeah, I'm, I'm a Musgrove fan. I think the, the price is right. I don't think it was an overpayment. I think, yeah, like you said, it was the market. Um, probably a good, good trade for both sides. If you look at it together, just because, again, I, I assumed that Acuna would have been tossed back, right? So, really, Matt paid 29 bucks for Musgrove, Worth, and... And Hanager, um... Yeah, he basically
0: had Andrew pay for the deal.
1: Right. So it's... He had a hell of an offseason so far. He is having a... What, what's it been? Three days? Uh, three days into the offseason. He's at top of my list.
0: Yeah, I, I think... I, I think... Yeah, Matt had a really good day in, ter- in terms of acquiring um, and selling. I think the weird part for Matt is when you look at Matt's roster... He has so many good players that are super cheap. Like, I can almost fill out this entire column. Like, he, he, I might have to increase the size of this thing just because he has so many cheap players that he can keep. And I think this deal yeah. makes it a little bit more challenging um, to keep everyone, so he's going to have to sell... You know some pretty quality players in my opinion. I'm just filling this out right now. So we got Joe Musgrove now. That's gonna add another fourteen. He's got he's got Lance McCullers. He's got Justin Verlander. He's got Michael Harris. He's got I'm missing a big one. Um, Walker Bueller. I don't think he keeps Walker Bueller. I think Walker Bueller gets tossed back. I I would not keep Walker Bueller for whatever he's. Price that, um, right.
1: what's what's the status going into the season? Do you know? He's out for the entire year. Oh, that's right. Okay, I couldn't remember when he's. I couldn't remember exactly what the injury was. So never mind. He Get better. back.
0: Um, he's probably going to keep Jordan Romano for four bucks. He could keep Joe Ryan. He could keep. He could bring Singer. Uh-huh. Like, and you like I, this is just one variation of this. You could. Put in like five other names but he's got yeah 14 guys for 89 bucks on here yeah that are all super cheap everyone is like joe musgrove is the most expensive player on matt's team right now
1: yep it's a it's a scott vanderthal team
0: it very much is um oh. so like i'm guessing some of these guys get moved um and and maybe he goes and, and adds I don't know. He could add a, a big-time pitcher. He could add a big-time hitter. Um, perhaps it's cheaper. He um, like,
1: could go up and get Sal Perez again.
0: <laughs> he could go get Sal Perez. Uh, but he's got Adley Rushman, so, yeah, which well. was always I mean, my issue.
1: It's never so, stopped him before. So, it
0: so, be no, it certainly didn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we can go on at nauseum over the Salvador Perez trade. But, um, and... And, and like I said last year, I would have gladly kept Sal Perez, But Matt forced my hand, and I'm very happy to have a very cheap Dalton Varsho for $4. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: cool. So I think we've went through each of the trades that have went down um, over the past couple of days. I did kind of want to touch on, just real quick, maybe some guys that we haven't talked about much. Like, it's pretty much been... The same, you know, we've talked about Will, we've talked a little about me. Obviously, we've talked about Andrew and Johnny quite a bit. We've talked about Rob. But like maybe someone like like Tim. Um, I i you know, I've been mm-hmm. discussing, discussing trades with people, and, and Tim's someone that I've I've spoken with. I think he was also someone that was trying to make a, a big time deal tonight and, and felt fell a little short, but he has like kind of a sneaky um like a sneaky good roster with, you know, Darvish and McClanahan. Um, he has Christian Homier He picked up Bobby Witt. He's got a cheap Alejandro Kirk in the catcher's spot. He's got an intriguing Aaron Ashby. Um, you know, there's a lot of options um, that, that he can go for, but I think he needs to and but this is the thing like I think he needs to to still add another player to but I don't know how he does that with where he's at money wise. He only has $184 and this is kind of the problem with what you were talking about um, a little while, while ago with Garrett Cole was like Garrett Cole should've ended up in Tim's hands. Like it, sh- it shouldn't have been to Johnny. It should have been to Tim. And Tim should have went into this off season with $84, you know, for you know, and and paid you know, 104 coal, but he decided, like, Tim decided that he could hold off Rob with what he had, and that wasn't, that that obviously didn't come to fruition. But, you know, the tricky part is now he's at $184, and he doesn't really, he, he's still a little short. Like, he just kind of ends up in no man's land, I think.
1: No man's land. I mean, I guess I'd rather really have $184. Well, now, yeah. $84. Like, um,
0: I mean... I, I guess he could have also went and got Kevin Gossman, you know, from Jack and paid a hundred and then he would have a $25 Kevin Gosman in here. So like, maybe that's the, that's a better example than Garrett Cole.
1: Yep. Uh, he's in a no man's land for sure. I don't, I don't love his team. I mean, obviously McClanahan. Um, boy. And, and Witt. you um, you start with, you know, you Darvish, I think wouldn't, I'm sure we'll keep them.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't. He deals them if he can get enough. You know, he. That's the other thing too. He doesn't. The the guys. Nobody's gonna pay for a Mookie Betts. I don't think anyone's really gonna pay for Darvish at 19. I, maybe he could get some, but but I think the way his roster is constructed, he needs to keep those guys. Or not not Mookie, Mookie Betts, but keep maybe shit. He does Mookie Betts.
0: I mean um, the. The, the word around town is that he actually did have a deal, a tentative deal in place with Mookie Bats. Or he did have an, a, a, a person who was interested in him tonight. Um, and that person made a, a different deal.
1: Yeah, okay. That's what I thought you might say. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe that person can have one fucking trifecta of <laughs> offensive players and uh, get Mookie Bats too. Who knows? That might work. Yeah, but well, you know, looking at his team, I think he keeps Mookie Betts. I think if I was Tim, I'd keep Mookie Betts. I'd keep you Darvish. I'd keep McClinton. I'd keep probably Bone for six bucks. I keep Miss yeah. Hoskins for five. I love um, I, I mean, he didn't have any money to go out and get things. I would keep so, Ian in half. Um, I'd probably keep Ian in half. I can't remember how he ended the season, but.
0: Yeah, he had, and like, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, you look at it, and you're not really overwhelmed initially, and then you start just filling in these names, okay. Like, I could make a case for Tyler Anderson to be capped, I'll just throw in Mookie Bats. that takes him over. Um, But like, you know, if you look on the right side, you know, he's still, like, even if we did this one, I don't even have Alejandro Kirk, so like, maybe, maybe you go Alejandro Kirk over, yeah, yeah, over okay. Um But like, he's, I mean, he's got... Like even Jose Miranda, I think is is close to being worth that at six bucks. Like I mean, obviously there's there's better players, but I I, I guess that's but that's the opportunity cost, right? He's got like he could throw in Mookie Betts for thirty two, or he could just keep all those other guys. Everyone
1: else, I mean, hell, keep Willie Adonis for six two.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. Completely agree.
1: Um, yeah. He he doesn't have enough to go out and get anything, and he doesn't really have anyone that's worth. That I would sell.
0: Yeah, you like know, he basically has to sell Darvish, McClanahan, or Witt. Yeah, or and maybe Javier.
1: I around it is maybe just see if you can limp to the playoffs this year, and then be in a good spot for 2024 with you know Witt, McClanahan, Darvish probably again for 22. Um, you know, and 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 be able to enter the 2024 20, season with a little bit more dough.
0: Yeah, big decision ahead of our first year with the uh, $150 entry fee. Um, let's look at, so the other one that I really wanted to talk about, well, there's another one, but Adam Adam's the, the one that I think is, has the greatest talent deficit on his team. I don't think he can keep Bryce Harper. Harper's going to be out for half of the season, and he cost $31 this year. I I just wouldn't keep him. I just don't think it's worth it. I don't think Carver's worth keeping it at at thirty four the next year. But like if you go down here, like you can fit like he's got some cheap guys. He's got Josh Bell. He's got new Cub Dansby Swanson that he can take his kids to. He's got
1: Dansby Swanson keeps it eight. Yeah. So drafted him last year for five.
0: He did. Huh. So prop props to Adam for that one. But he gets real dicey very quickly. For Adams' team, like you could make a case for Matt Chapman.
1: Uh, Matt Chapman, I mean. But what this is draft, whoever drafted him, right? Uh,
0: but this is pretty much it.
1: Like, there's
0: like it's it's Swanson, Devin Williams, Josh Bell, Kevin Gosman. Like, like I, I'm not keeping Ty France for 18. Like he had a good year, but like maybe you could keep Patrick Sandoval. But like. Yeah that's not really super exciting at this point. So like if I'm Adam personally, what I would do is I would sell everyone on this roster. I would just start over and then like sell everything right now and then come back into the market at the end and buy all those cheap fucking guys that we've discussed the whole episode.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who he, I don't know who's going to, nobody on his team interests me for as a buyer, you know, aside from the four guys you listed as keepers, like I, I'm not interested in anyone else. It's, so,
0: it's, it's a weird spot. He ends up at 298, which is a, a decent chunk of money, but, like...
1: I think he can make a move. He can make a move for some... You know, he doesn't need to be in the DeGrom sweepstakes or the Mookie Betts sweepstakes, if there is a sweepstakes. But he can get some mid-range guys. Like, you know, pop up my team, for example. Maybe there's... He and I have a couple deals to be made. Um... For some of the just middle tier pitchers, middle tier hitters that I think can incrementally improve his lineup, or he just keeps his two ninety eight and goes to the draft with it, and only keeps fifty bucks worth of guys. Who knows? Yeah, hey, he needs to do something for sure. That that's definitely
0: that's definitely in play. Like Adam tends to want to make his auction interesting. Like I don't know that Adam's really ever been under two hundred bucks at an auction. So my guess is, if he buys, if he buys some stuff, he's
1: going to buy a bunch of cheap stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and I have some cheap stuff that I could sell him. For example, some of those six buck players, you know, or even even I have a really great four dollar player. Oh my god! I knew this was where this was going from the very beginning. It, 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 go ahead. No, no, we don't need to talk about it. We
0: we won't go down the Cal Quantrill yeah, um, rabbit <laughs> hole that that we've discussed ad nauseum in the past two yeah. times that we've oh, seen each sure. other. Um, but yeah, so I think Adams got a pretty significant talent deficit that he needs to resolve. Um, and then we haven't talked about,
1: talk Kaiser at all.
0: We haven't talked Kaiser. Kaiser's kind of in the same spot that he was last year. He's got a lot of really good offensive keepers. He's got Austin Riley. He's got Luis Roberts. Not dropping him for $10. bucks. he has got Wander Franco, who he's going to keep for 10 bucks?
1: That uh, Otani fella might, might keep him. He's got Otani. He uh,
0: made this is something else that I wanted to talk about at some point down the road, but the uh, the Tristan McKenzie for uh, Spencer Strider trade was fascinating to me last year. Um, involved Kaiser and Habby, uh, who were both out of it. And you don't often see those types of trades, but it was basically a challenge trade against non-contenders at the time. And uh, I think Andrew is winning it right now, but you know, I could see Tristan McKenzie taking the next step, you know, this season, and um, making that a little closer. And maybe there is some regression for Spencer Strider. Who knows? Um, Steve. So here's here's the weird part with Kaiser's team. So you get to like Stephen Kwan who he can keep for cheap. And, like, it's just a really unexciting, but yet he's still probably going to get play, like, every day and, like, lead or hitting the top four for the Guardians. Um, I don't think Tommy Edman. I don't know what the Cardinals are doing with Tommy Edmund. He is like, a good... He has good final line numbers, but, like, he was dropped in that order pretty significantly. He's probably... Maybe he keeps spread batty. But this is basically what he's got. I mean, he's got Riley, he's got Luis Robert, he's got Wander Franco, he's got Shohei Otani. he's got McKenzie, he's got O'Neill Cruz, he's got Anthony Rizzo for five bucks, he's got Stephen Kwan for six bucks, and I guess you can make the case for Jimenez. It's only seventy three dollars. He's at two eighty three, which is basically like right in the middle. Um, he needs pitching, like he's hitting, he's hitter heavy. Um, so I'm curious to see if he goes out and gets like, maybe he's someone that goes and and gets a DeGrom or a Castillo or, um, or someone of that ilk.
1: Um, he, yeah, that could work. That's If I was him, I would. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, he needs to make a couple moves. Um, there's nobody at that level really jumping out at me in terms of, yeah, he's cheap and he's got cheap bats. I like where he's at luck up wise and you know he's got a little bit extra dough than the average Joe. Um, but I think if he does, you know, plays his cards right, he can get a little uh, another pitcher and throw another arm. But... Yeah, I'm not. So, and this was, I was semester, just
0: gonna
1: say,
0: but... this was the this was the person that I thought Andrew would approach. Because, like, if you look at, say, say Austin Riley and Shohei Otani, they each keep for 10 as opposed to going and buying Soto and Acuna, go buy, like, those two for probably about the same price, and then you're keeping them at a much cheaper price moving forward. Um, and and yeah, I that's
1: give... fairly presumptuous. I mean, I don't... Why would Kaiser trade Otani or Riley for that matter? I mean, Acuna made sense, right? Because it's like I just assumed he was going to get tossed back. Um, Soto, not not that I think Soto would get tossed back, but I, the eight bucks compared to ten bucks is pretty big. I mean, in the in the scheme of things, um, I see where you're coming from. I would I would too if I was happy, but I don't know that Kaiser would make that move. If I was Kaiser, I wouldn't make that move. You, you give me $80, bucks, i am not giving you Otani and Riley. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I need more than that. I, I'm talking about 125
0: oh, 140 bucks, like 140 bucks. 110 bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely in the at least $100. bucks. Um, that
1: would i would look at that. I'd look at that if I was Kaiser. But, you know, then what does he do? Spend that money on well, well, a... Then,
0: then he goes and gets Joe, Joe Musgrove. He goes and gets Luis Severino Maybe, or oh, Castillo the, or... He can yeah. go buy some guys off mat, like you can go do a lot with that hundred bucks um yeah. and, and balance he his roster
1: 100, out. 100 bucks I think Kaiser could could you know make a hundred dollars worth of moves and and do some damage with that even with what he has in his lineup. I mean he could go drop a hundred bucks not that I think DeGrom would go for hundred bucks, but he could drop that on DeGrom and Whoa. still everything
0: Jacob DeGrom gets tossed back, you can bet your fucking ass he's going for 100 bucks.
1: I don't mean tossed back. I think he could be in the DeGrom. He could get to Oh, you
0: think he'll go for 100 bucks? That's interesting. I would...
1: No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying just mathematically, if he were to... Be, I, I would not pay 100 bucks for DeGrom. But if he mathematically could pay 100 bucks for DeGrom, Achimu Diage, with $100, $30, and everyone a in his ability to be supposed to cross DeGrom, I wouldn't... I wouldn't. You know, you know, I don't think you have to pay on the for DeGrom, but I think he, if he did, everything we've mentioned plus DeGrom Gram's not a bad place to sit. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I think it, I, this is someone who makes a lot of sense for DeGrom to go to. I just don't know what that money looks like um, between him and Johnny. Like, I, I think Johnny's going to want a lot, and, and given that he just got 80 for Soto and that DeGrom is – Kind of universally recognizes the best pitcher when healthy, um, with massive caveats when healthy. Um, I think he's going to want top dollar. The ironic part is he only paid fifty bucks for Jacob Degrom in season last year, if I'm not mistaken. He paid fifty bucks.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a good trade. I mean, that's because that, that never happens. I mean, where you get someone, you know, it's always the Garrett Coles and the Corbin Burnses, the Scherbers. Yeah where they're just automatic throwbacks. but And that's what I assumed the case would be. But now that we're looking at teams where it makes a lot of sense, hell, if he can trade Acuna, he can trade DeGrom. Oh, yeah. There's a for it. And I think we're looking one right now at Kaiser, where if I was Kaiser, I'd make that move.
0: Yeah. He has a lot of options. Like, he might not know it, and I've like, tried to nudge him to make some other deals. Um, he's He has a lot of options. So it'll be interesting to see... What initiatives he takes as this off-season goes along. My guess is like I I I was I t- I don't remember who I was talking to the other day, but I basically said that this off-season is gonna be one big wave at the very beginning, and it's gonna be one big wave right at the very end. And there's gonna be a massive lull probably throughout the end of January, beginning of February. Um and I, I think Kaiser's gonna end up being a guy that that makes moves in the in the second wave. Um so He has some time, he certainly has time to think about it as the dust settles on some of these trades that have been made early on. Um, Just, I I don't wanna leave anyone out, so I'm not going to, let's talk about Jack and Kaiser and then we'll we'll wrap this up and go home. Um, Jack has a bunch of players that I used to have because I made a bunch of deals with Jack uh, throughout the course of the season. his roster looks a hell of a lot better since he remembered to make the gentleman's agreement trade and get Alec Manoa back on his roster for $10. Um, that's nice. He's also got Beau Bichette. Um, he's got Corbin Carroll. That's really nice to have for $2. Fucking bucks. Um, what else is he definitely going to keep? I th-
1: He's got some. He's got.
0: He's got got some know, guys. Uh, I'm going to throw Suzuki in here for the time. He might feel differently. Who Who am I missing that that you're looking at?
1: I I I feel like he'll keep Clevenger, Mackenzie um, Gore, Max Muncie. I don't know that he keeps those two. I don't know that he keeps all those. But I think you know. Mackenzie Gore was just such a disappointment, but.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't touch Mackenzie Gore with a 10 foot pole, but he's done it before, so we'll put him in there. I would keep Drew. I I like Drew Rasmussen, and I tried to get him during the season, and he would not give him to me. He probably keeps Bulp. He probably keeps Francisco Alvarez. Uh, Uh, He's probably going to keep Kyle Harris. He could
1: keep India. India's
0: cheap. Good rebound candidate.
1: And... For one more $6 player. Maybe he, keep, maybe he rolls the dice on a Torkelson. Uh, say, depending on what your thoughts are on him. Wait, he... Yeah, he'd be six, right? So... A Torkelson, a Muncie, maybe he like... What's the Mitt uh, Merrifield dice? You know, goes with a dice roll for that last $6 player.
0: Yeah, I I mean I'm guessing how he fills out probably the last forty dollars of this roster isn't currently on his roster. Um sure. but he's got you know, he's got two good pitchers in Gallon and Manoa, he's got, you know, a top twenty guy in Vaubichette, he's got a guy who might be, you know I think Corbin Carroll will end up being a lot like Trey Turner. Um, so a pretty good player, Suzuki I still think he's going to be a pretty good player, but he might go a different direction. And then you know, the rest of this, he could go somewhere else. But he has got he has some pieces, um, and he's got plenty of money, 431. He's now in second behind you in terms of money. So he's got a big offseason ahead of him. It would be great if he would return my text messages or just confirm that he's not dying. The only way that I know that Jack has not died is because he continuously posts on the soccer thread while I'm texting him about yeah. <laughs> baseball trades because he is a dick. Um, a at
1: Whitney,
0: yes. Um, so VJ and VJ is loaded with keeper talent. Um, coming off of a, a third place season, um, obviously he's got two good young outfielders in Julio Rodriguez and Kyle Tucker. He's got, he still has Trey Turner. I, Trey Turner's another one that could get moved. Um, yeah. He has Shane Bieber still. He's got, he's the one with Salvador Perez. We won't go down there. He'll keep Scoobo. You're right. He probably, well, he can't right now because he's got to make trades. What else could he keep?
1: i will probably keep Ryland Green.
0: You would hope so after that deal. Um, he might keep Pablo Lopez, um, who I traded to him in exchange for Charlie Morton. I think he yeah. ended up winning that deal.
1: Um, okay. Hit uh, the agency last year, or did he was he picked up the waivers. Who didn't Castellanos get dropped last year? He
0: didn't make it through waivers.
1: Through waivers, okay.
0: Yeah, VJ put a big bid on him. Um, I think a lot of people were waiting for that, for him to clear. Um, I, he still has Yelich. I don't, I think he's a weird player for me at this point, but he's going to hit at the top of the Brewer's order. So maybe it doesn't really matter. Um, but he's got, he's got a lot of guys. He could also keep like a cheap Miles Miklas. Um, I think you throw back Shane Baz. Oh, he has fucking Matt Olson. Yeah. Um, on this team. That's that's kind of a big one. Um, so he's has yeah, I don't...
1: I don't uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting, Mick, guys. Yeah. Uh, take down Pablo Lopez to make the math work. I don't know if Trey Turner ends up on his team. But, yeah. I mean, he's going to have an outfield that contends with heavy.
0: Yes. For with sure. Him. Um. Yeah. I mean, he's, BJ is now at the very bottom in terms of dollars. So he's got to make a lot of moves. I, I think, you know, we were talking about Kaiser a moment ago. Shane Bieber's a guy that could get moved to Kaiser or Jack pretty easily in exchange for a lot of money. I mean, I asked BJ. I
1: think know, BJ sells Shane Bieber. I would sell Shane Bieber, get 50 bucks for him. I, I don't know. Some people are high on him. Well,
0: take a step back. Cause I, I asked, I, I, I traded VJ, Kyle Tucker and Shane Bieber last year for $170 and Bryce Harper. And I asked him how much, like if you separated the two, how much he felt he paid for Shane Bieber and how much he felt he paid for um, Kyle Tucker. And he said 130 for Shane Bieber. So we're one year removed from that and Shane Bieber was, you know, Shane fucking Bieber, still only 25, 26 years old. I, I would think that he would go for at least Kevin Gosman money from last year, which was 90 bucks. So like, yep. I, I think, I think Shane Bieber's a guy like he could presumably also just package Shane Bieber and Kyle Tucker again for 32 total dollars and get, you know, 150 bucks in return.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: 170 bucks, (laughs) Uh, something like that. I think you get a lot of money if you packaged one of these outfielders with Shane Bieber, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't know that if I was him, I kind of look at Shane Bieber like I'd look at Walker Bueller a couple years ago when I was in a similar spot, had no money. Didn't want to move Walker Bueller, but whatever uh, Johnny offered me, was like, gosh, I just, I need to, if I get that, it was triple digits, I'll stay competitive.
0: Well, it was more than that. It was 200 bucks.
1: It was 200, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah.
0: no one has come close to that. This is the Shane Bieber deal. No, no, no. Well, I guess you could kind of make the case. But yeah, no one has ever come close to that deal. Like when people ask me about San- Sandy Alcantara, I say you're going to have to blow out the Mueller deal if you want Sandy. That
1: was 200 bucks. Huh? Now he's going to be thrown back. What do yeah. you What a At least I got Michael Opek. <laughs> right.
0: Um, yeah, so it, there's definitely some money to, to be moved. Um, I think VJ's probably got the best assets, honestly, of
1: anyone. Yeah, I, um, I, I, uh, I agree. I mean, somebody could buy Yelich. He has some fringe capable players where he could he could add hundred, well, just call it a hundred and five bucks, hundred and six bucks, and you know, pass Matt in the. Auction dollars, and still have, you know, Kyle Tucker, Julio Rodriguez, Matt Olson. I mean, I feel you, you deal Shane Bieber, you deal either Yelich, Olson, or I would. If I was him, I desperately try to hold on to Julio Rodriguez and Kyle Tucker. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let those guys go at all. But um every other got he could move. Yeah, and, and
0: yeah, you're right. He could easily fill in for the pitching part with some cheap guys like. Or team Perez or Kyle Gibson or Frankie Montas or Miles My- Miklas. Like he-, he has some guys that can fill in there and he can go get some guys for, for really cheap afterwards. Cause usually like the last few days of the, of the off season window, like there are guys going like decent players that go for like six, seven bucks, um, that, you know, sometimes dramatically outperform guys that, that went for five times that price. Um, in the off season. So uh, I, I think VJ is going to end up having a more competitive team than you would guess looking at just his auction dollars.
1: Yep. I agree. Um, did we
0: miss anyone? I think we covered pretty much everyone. I mean, we, we kind of covered Will with
1: the trades. Yeah. We didn't look at Will's roster. We didn't look at Adam's roster. Sort of talked about him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, for Will, we'll, we'll do Will real quick. Just, um, pull him up. He's got, so he's gonna keep Nemo. He's gonna keep Ryan Reynolds. He's gonna keep Jordan Alvarez. He's gonna keep Glass now. He's gonna keep Tony Gosselin. He's gonna keep Julio Urias. He's gonna, oh, not Suarez. Julio Urias. You can keep Robbie Ray. Probably. <laughs> I would hope so. That puts us at $74. He could throw in Chris Sale. My guess is he's probably gonna go Freddie Peralta for 10. That puts him at 84. And we'll say keep Sean Murphy to fill out the full 90. He can go in a much different direction. He's got he keep Christian Walker. He keep Jeremy Pena. He's got some guys that he could keep as well. Um, but I, I would say Will is is probably not going to be buying much the rest of the off season. I, I think he's going to be selling.
1: Cabrera hit innings a here, huh? Say that again. Cabrera hit innings a little last year. Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, the, there is one player I need to go and check on, and that's a player on Jack's roster. But I'm pretty sure everyone else is good in terms of their prospect
1: them. Um, um, yeah, you know I, I think we have talked a bit of smack on where he might have overpaid, but he still has 260 bucks, a decent squad here. Um, he could have two hundred and seventy-five bucks and still have the same squad, but you know, I think he's done okay in the off he Yeah, okay.
0: he went and got his guys. I mean, he's got he got three pitchers right. for collectively thirty-seven bucks who are you know, gonna eat probably what four hundred five say five hundred and fifty innings between three of them, something like that. Yeah. one seventy-five a piece.
1: Yeah, and I I feel like he could probably, you know, if he wanted to dip a little bit further and make one more move, maybe he doesn't keep Nimmo, maybe he doesn't keep Sean Murphy, you know, has $12 of roster space to play with and can make us something a little bit flashy. I don't know if he keeps for 12 bucks but he might have another move left in him.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I... Who knows what to do? I'm sure he'll be, he'll continue to be approached, and maybe maybe someone flashes something shiny in front of him, and he goes for it. But my guess is this is if he had to go to war tomorrow, this is what he would go with. Um, so, what are your any any final words? Any any update on you in terms of uh, attending the WBC?
1: So yeah, let's talk about that for the league's sake. So that's official, right? We're doing yeah combo. What is it, a combo bachelor party draft? Uh, dinner, dinner bet. Dinner bet. Uh, just WBC trying to throw in 11 reasons to get everyone together. I hope that, uh, I really hope that guys who haven't come in the past, the VJs, um, the Maths, you know, make a concerted effort to come this year. And we don't, I mean, we'll try bribing nice when we were with strip clubs. Once again, <laughs> and to see if that can move the needle. But I really hope those guys can come. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I'm Planning on it? I mean, I have it in my family calendar, which is the closest thing I have to being official.
0: Well, yeah, we'll take that.
1: Um,
0: yeah, I think – I so in terms of like planning, I'd like to kind of finalize um, kind of the, the Airbnb situation – uh, at the end of this month. Um, and, and I know you know a number of guys have, have reached out and said that they, they can only, if they can only make Friday, that's totally cool. Um, what I'll do in that circumstance is because I, I actually just booked my trip or booked yeah my flight preemptively. So I'll get in midday Thursday and if it's a smaller group, like say it was like say it was just like you, me and Tim, you know, maybe book a night at talking stick. Casino hotel, which is like by golf course, by like um, like sports betting and poker and all sorts of stuff. And then the next day, move our stuff closer to Phoenix, do the dinner bet like that night, um, and then like the next morning, we could watch EPL together, have the auction sometime in the afternoon, and then that evening, uh, Saturday, uh, we would go to go to the game. Um, but like Friday night would be the dinner bet night. Um, and I, and, and Johnny did reach out, like he did inform me he wasn't gonna be able to make it, but he did, you know, advise that, you know, he'll pay you know his portion of, uh, the bet. Um, and we actually need to catch up on two years, like Rob and I have won the past two years on that. Um, but it's a fun, it's something that Andrew and I have been doing for a long time and it's kind of expanded. And then, covid people moved out of the country like it's kind of it's changed over the years but you know generally anyone who's attended has had a really good time you can ask tim about that um
1: so it's fun and are you thinking thinking scottsdale again are we gonna mix it up we're gonna be a little closer to
0: phoenix i don't think it makes sense to be truly in scottsdale it might be in between phoenix and scottsdale um, but I'm trying to get us closer to the downtown Phoenix because that's where the game is, um, and just a, it's also easier for people flying in.
1: Um, but so like, what, is, goes, what um, what impact does that have on spring training in
0: I mean, people like the guys just kind of opt opt out, and then they, they join the USA roster. It's like it's it's a really good way for like veterans to like, you know, avoid playing those spring training games for something that's probably a bit more fun has a little bit more intensity. Um, and most teams are pretty, are pretty on board um, to, to give that. like I know they're, they're all kind of in the process of finalizing the rosters. and you have like I think there's eight different sites around the world that are holding these like kind of initial tournament games um, and then they'll you know as the rounds go on and, and teams get eliminated, I, you know it, I think it finishes in Miami. Um, but, but yeah.
1: Really on the WBC, you don't see us catching a minor league game too, do you? Maybe. Kind of like that. Oh yeah,
0: it's possible. The other option, well, this is probably more an option for like some of the guys who aren't in the baseball league, but you, I think the Columbia, there's like a Columbia game during the auction time that I've got. Um, but like, I guess theoretically you could make, um, a spring training game, like Sunday, like if you left early, obviously you're a bit closer than everyone, so like you could make that happen. I think like that Saturday is going to be so packed. Um, The only other time would be maybe Friday. So like maybe Friday afternoon would be an opportunity to go to a, this spring training game.
1: And, dumb question, but we are doing the draft that weekend as well, right?
0: Yes. It'll be, be March
1: 10th. Let me check the the earliest draft we ever had.
0: Uh, it would be one of the earliest. I think we've had. Oh, what am I talking about? March eleventh is when it'll be. Um, we have
1: had anything that early.
0: We've had. We've probably had one or two. It's not very often. Like usually we're, we're you know towards the end of the month. Um, but I, I think we've had one other one other draft, and it probably coincided with a trip. I, I'm thinking like the Vegas trip. Um, May have been that early, uh, but but yeah, no, it, it's definitely one of the earlier ones. Um, so it also condenses the uh, the off season trade window a
1: bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the and and Big Ten term going on the same time.
0: Yes, you know that'll be that'll be the thing that we have to figure out a way to. To get in there, you know, presuming that, that IU's still in the tournament at that point on that Saturday. Um, and, you know, I would say on Friday, I mean, IU will certainly be in. So, like, that's another thing that we'll be doing that Friday, is, is probably watching IU.
1: Probably. i so, I don't even miss the Elon game when I'm on a boat in the middle of the Caribbean. <laughs> I will probably try to make time for that game.
0: I would think so. Alright, any... Any final words before I?
1: No, I need to go get there. my ass in gear. I need to. Maybe I'll just take four hundred and seventy dollars to the auction. And...
0: That is all. You know, honestly, that's kind of what I thought. Like, I think there's a fifty percent chance that's what you do. You have so many guys that you can.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna make anything too splashy.
0: Yeah, you're gonna be just selling stocking stuffers, as I told someone earlier today. Okay. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, we will talk to everyone again soon.